Hello and welcome back to Callum and David's Any Requests podcast. This, of course, is our weekly podcast where you, the listener, can donate £5 a month via our Patreon and get us to do a podcast on absolutely anything you want. That is entirely correct. And this week we are looking at something a little off the beaten track for us. Yes, um, this comes from James, uh, who's been uh, donating for a while. Um, Hi, James. We've done uh, Big Train Yep. Uh, for him. Um, and now we are looking at a uh, request uh from him to do uh, the brilliant 2016 sci-fi drama Arrival. So, I mean, normally when I say off the beaten track, when we started mm. that podcast, that now has become the beaten track, the very yeah. well-worn road. Um, yeah. This is actually kind of something quite quite normal, which is to do a podcast about a brilliant piece of work um, by the wonderful Dennis Villeneuve, yeah. as you say. Uh, now, I've never seen Arrival before, so I came to this for the first time. You have seen it before. Yes. Um, because it's a brilliant film and you watch brilliant films. Yeah, uh, quite I- often. Uh, yeah, well, I I generally most years um, and have done most of my adult life try and get through the ten uh, Academy Award nominations for Best Picture from about well from from when they're announced, sort of end of January, beginning of February, normally time. I try and get in as many of uh, of those as I can. So yeah, I remember twenty sixteen. I thought it would have been a particularly strong year actually for for um films quite a lot of good ones released that year and and this one yeah was certainly one of the best um i mean i've yeah i've, I've been a fan of uh i think it's denis Villeneuve. oh denis yeah uh denis uh, denis absolutely um uh according to i think i saw emily blunt in an interview once um correct the interviewer no, actually actually, <laughs> actually i think so you'll find denis. and she did it in an alan partridge she did, yeah. Yeah. yeah um because uh, of course she was in uh sicario um that he directed but um yeah i uh, have, I don't, not really so much aware of um, his kind of early French stuff, but um, followed him since Prisoners, which I think was his first English language film, um, uh, which is with Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman, and it's uh, centers on um, uh, Hugh Jackman's missing daughter, mm. um, and Jake Gyllenhaal's the detective, and then they both end up being incredibly suspicious of each other, and it's 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 a ph- phenomenal film. Um, uh, and then he did Enemy, which again with Jake Gyllenhaal, which is loosely based on uh, Dostoevsky's The Double, um, oh. which is excellent as well. And and of course, um, uh, more recently did the the brilliant sequel to Blade Runner, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which is just visually unbelievable. But then that's that's Villeneuve; he's an absolute master of visual storytelling and, and aesthetic. It's, yeah. and, and certainly when you when you watch Arrival, it is one of those films where, you know, you could just press pause at any moment and, and it's a postcard, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. the, there's something also, and I'm not particularly kind of aesthetic, uh, uh, aesthetically minded kind of critic um, when watching anything, but there's something about the composition of every shot is incredibly balanced and pleasing yet at the same time the overall feeling is one of unnerving and unsettled you know yeah. there's an unsettling way uh, that he makes films i think there's something incredibly french about that it's like yeah. i'm good to make something beautiful and you're, <laughs> and you're going to question everything it's like yeah. it's lovely um yeah uh, sorry to offend our, our uh, French uh, audience, which is surprisingly large, <laughs> yeah. um, but with that terrible accent. But yeah, we have uh, quite a kind of Hollywood cast, and I think mm-hmm. that's probably one of the reasons why uh, often often that's the payoff, right? You're going to get a Hollywood cast, and then you can get the money to make something yeah. that is 
quite obviously rely on 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 a quite a bit of CGI. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you've got obviously uh, Amy Adams, who's who's the anchor of the film. It's it's absolutely her film. Yeah. Um, I, I don't there's, I don't there's, I don't think there's actually any scene where she's not in. Actually, I think it's pretty much yeah. Every every frame is has got Amy Adams in. Um, and then supported by Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, and uh, Michael Stuhlberg, who's yes. who's great. Who uh, I I unfairly often say that he's the actor they get in when they can't get Joaquin Phoenix because they're so visually <laughs> similar. But he, he's he's a brilliant actor in his own right. Um, I know I know what you mean, but also there's something I always unfairly kind of assume uh, that every role uh, Michael Stuhlberg's going to play is is going to be the kind of annoying antagonistic dick and and yet yeah every single thing i see yeah. him in i go oh i shouldn't do that and then he is that yeah. <laughs> um, and that's exactly what he is in this he's um, brilliant at playing that kind of the man yeah and the spokesperson for for the establishment um incidentally if anyone's uh not seen it go and see uh, uh the coen brothers uh a simple man which yeah. he stars in which is a great film um and, great film. and not often seeing him in a, in a principal role, role. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I mean, we're going to dive into the plot, and before we do that, obviously, obviously, massive spoiler alert, and and I think this one's particularly serious. I would say, literally, stop listening to this now if you've not seen the film, because there's no way we can talk about the film and not talk about the twist. Yeah, and if you know the twist, it ruins the. It really does ruin the film. So I would say, I know we often with our podcasts, we we know. Uh, we have fans that listen and, and say, oh, I just listen to the podcast and I don't watch the thing you're talking about. Really go and watch this. Um, because one, it's an amazing film, but two, yeah. it will negatively impact your enjoyment of it if you've not seen it and you do listen to this because we have to talk about the twist. Yeah, and I'm someone who never cares about spoilers, partly because mm. I've got the memory of a goldfish, but also I absolutely, my enjoyment of this film is paramount to me not knowing the plot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd really second that. Um, so we open on this yeah. kind of montage of I said montage is really unfair because mm. Villeneuve's so much more than that montage. word. Montage, <laughs> yeah, it's not that, but it, but I mean, how else would you describe it? No, it's yeah, a, a series of kind of shots that are kind of nicely put together with Amy Adams with this young uh, baby, um, and then kind of interspersed with shots of. Uh, child growing up and we learn that this kind of is a, a daughter it's very it's very kind of latter day terence malick but with <laughs> yeah. a lot more substance than just terence malick's just decided to stop making films about anything and just makes basically two hour long like camera commercials like is the, <laughs> yeah. the feel of his films now <laughs> yeah. um but uh but but it's it's yeah it's that kind of beautifully shot slow lingering edits uh, under largely silent dialogue wise underscored by mm -hmm. beautiful music which is very terence malicky but but it, it's it's a lovely way to open this film um and it, and and then we uh kind of follow amy adams into her job um mm -hmm. where we learn that she's a lecturer yeah so yes yeah, so yeah so it's 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 amy adams playing with this young girl in yeah. these in these montages um and and there are frequent what we believe as we're watching the film, uh, flashbacks, flashbacks yeah. to Amy Adams and this daughter who you kind of learn has clearly died because she is not in Amy Adams' life anymore. Yeah. But you see constantly Amy Adams thinking about her and, and her daughter. So you go, oh, okay. And and she seems detached as a person. Yeah. And she seems like she's someone that's 
been through something and is kind of yeah live existing but not living really um so you go oh that's that's a a mother that's dealing with the grief of losing her daughter and you kind of as an audience you you join those dots yeah Um, you make that assumption not unfairly no uh, you know that's the way it's it's put together yeah um yeah so she's giving this lecture um uh in in this lecture theater and a student's phone goes off and she says you know something you'd like to share with the whole kind of class um and uh and she says i I think you'd better put on the tv yeah and she's like okay so they do put on the news and the news is quite dramatic yeah the news is that ufos yeah have landed uh in 12 different parts of the planet yeah one of which in the state uh yeah. that amy adams uh is montana in, montana in uh, america um i think rich hall is the only other person i know from montana yeah, yeah i mean it's uh it's known as uh the big country i think is is uh montana's because it is it's largely open plains and things like that it's it's at the very top uh top sort of west very northwest um was the film the big country uh based there i think i, I don't actually do you know what weirdly i don't think it was but i think that's just been a name that's been adopted adopted by, by montana but yeah it's, it's it's a largely um not it's not particularly populous kind of rural uh, you know rural, middle america but geographically big really big um so yeah, a lot of kind of wide open space there, uh, which is perhaps why they chose Montana to uh, to land to land on. Um, although it was filmed in Canada, just over the border. Nice. Yeah, cheaper. I mean, they, they're great filmmakers uh, come from Canada, and yeah. yeah, much cheaper to make anything there. Yeah. And also, if you're an actor and you're working there, you get free healthcare. Yeah. Um, as uh, Richard Schiff uh, found, because he was filming The Good Wife um, yeah. over there. The Good Wife, Good Doctor. Yeah. The Good Wife. I, no, I think no, the, it is the good, the good Doctor, which I think is a spin-off of The Good Wife. Yeah, sorry. Uh, he's, he was filming that and uh, and got healthcare uh, for free um, whilst he was working there through COVID, um, mm. which he's now recovered from. Um, yeah, I don't know why I needed to talk about Richard Schiff, but any opportunity to talk about any member <laughs> of the West Wings is a nice thing to do. Um, and also, I think uh, yeah. Michael uh, Stolgart is also uh, in The West Wing and Studio 60 yeah. of an Aaron Sorkin stalwart uh, guest star so uh you yeah you Can have you uh, name all 12 locations so we know we've got Mon- montana in the u.s mm-hmm. china mm-hmm. russia mm-hmm. uh and pakistan mm-hmm. and i think one's israel mm-hmm. and that's it so that's six sudan oh yeah sudan uh, the UK, Devon specifically, I noticed on the map. Why don't the Montana of the UK? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean it kind of is. Yeah, um, uh, I can't remember the rest. Um, yeah, that's in the sea, somewhere in the sea. But um, yeah, well, I think that's the China one. That's the China it's one off off Shanghai somewhere. Because right. um, it's what yeah, it's when they but there's yeah, there's a very funny. I mean, it's not a funny film, uh, but there is a particularly funny line that Jeremy Renner has. Uh, where he sorry i've just realized because i always thought that jeremy renner bit of narration is really odd mm-hmm. because it only really happens that one time and it's not yeah and i've just realized it's... what that is that's him talking to his daughter but we don't know that yet oh uh, i thought it was like because a diary lo- entry because but you're right she... it never comes back. no because 
I mean, we'll get there, but she's yeah. playing with the plasticine, making yeah. the, uh, the hexapods, and, and the drawing has got the little canary in the cage. Yeah. And so I think that's what those narrations are, of them telling the daughter the stories. For her school project. Yeah. Okay, that'll become clear just, for you. Sorry, I've uh, just, yeah, I should have saved that and said it in context, but we'll get there. Hey, um, you know, it's a live podcast. Exactly. Um, um, but yeah, there's a very funny line that he says in that narration where he's talk, he's kind of giving context about what's happening in these and whether there's a connection yeah um and he says that there's that 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 they think it's a possibility that it could be that it's the places where the least amount of lightning has ever struck Mm -hmm. he said although you know there's not much truck to that although the next likely scenario the only other connection we could find is there all places where sheena easton had a hit single in 1980 (laughs) i mean hey it's a good a reason as any but yeah nice a nice little kind of uh insight into jeremy's jeremy renner's character probably one of very few probably about Mm. five Mm. uh character moments for jeremy renner yeah because as you say you know he is really there to support uh amy amy adams uh and this character's kind of journey yeah so we you know the, the university gets evacuated uh as does kind of everywhere in montana yeah amy adams goes home to an empty house puts mm-hmm. on the news flicks through the channels it's all about this ufo yeah. landing all over the world and she goes to bed hugging the duvet kind yeah. of still semi-dressed and we, you know so backing up this idea that she's alone yeah. um and there's no one else in her life then uh, she gets a call, a house call from Forrest Whitaker, which yes. would be lovely. It I think would. anyone would like that. I, I'd, yeah, I'd um, like a house call from Forrest Whitaker. And we learn that Amy Adams is a linguist, if we hadn't yeah. already kind of worked out from some of the language in lecturing in the lecture theatre, but it's not, you know, been stated. I, I think essentially, like, the best linguist in the world is yeah. the what I think what, what she is. Certainly, um, certainly a world leader, certainly a, a but the US leader. It's fascinating. I remember, um, uh, seeing a, a documentary a few years ago it might have even been on youtube um about linguists that work um for like fantasy films and things like that and mm. like actual like a lot of like real like uh uh all the languages in game of thrones they used a real linguist to invent uh. those languages uh, yeah it's fascinating well it's uh, i mean tolkien was a linguist right mm, uh, yeah that's what his thing was elvish is, and yeah. um elvish was kind of him inventing a language to practice his work yeah. and then accidentally wrote one of the most famous books ever written yeah um yeah so uh Yes, Amy Adams is this linguist. She gets a visit from Forrest Whitaker and we learn that she has been an informant for the FBI. And even though she no longer works for the FBI, mm-hmm. there are two years left on her contract for the FBI to use her without her yeah. a kind of refusal, really. Yeah. Um, so he says, we've got to make contact with these aliens. Yeah. You work for the FBI. Uh, technically still you've got clearance on this so we're going to tell you about it so at this point it's not been publicly acknowledged that there are extraterrestrial life forms as They're far as just... the greater world no it's just these ufos have turned up but yeah. obviously yeah he discloses that they have been able to kind of go up into this um one in montana and they've seen that there are these two yeah. uh aliens at, at the kind of top of this spaceship and yet they need her to basically decipher the language that they're communicating in um which is kind of the crux of the of 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 the whole film and i thought it's i in real life i genuinely don't know how this would actually be possible because Mm. 
it's surely like attempting to translate like a cat or like like an, like because like it's not like discovering uh, uh you know some kind of remote tribe that's never been discovered because human like there's there's always going to be eventually the ability to converse with another human being because we're the same species mm. when you're talking about interspecies communication i just don't know how you can eat like i remember there's a um i can't remember what i think you know this quote as well so it might be a, a drama school thing but I, someone saying to me once about the idea of of if oh actually i think it's a <laughs> i think it's on a rookie gervais stand-up um <laughs> Regardless of where it's from, um, someone saying once that uh, if you were able to give an animal the ability of speech, you still wouldn't be able to talk to them because their frame of reference and their context of their world is so alien. E even if you had the same language, you wouldn't be able to understand each other because so it's like much less even taking that language away and the like. Yeah, there's there's something that I went to recently. Well, I say recently, a couple of years ago, I went to uh, an event at my local Horniman Museum. Um, which, mm -hmm. if you're in the London area and you haven't been to the Horniman, go. It's oh, incredible, oh, brilliant place. Um, but there was a talk there by some scientists, um, kind of biochemists, biophysicists, uh, physicists, and they were working out in uh, kind of they worked in the Amazon for a long period of time working with linguistics and building the relationship between science and language and linguistics. And they said what they started doing was uh, getting music software um, with, uh, and, and sticking it in, sticking diodes into plants, right? And they worked out that plants emit frequencies, just like anything that's alive, mm -hmm. at different rates, depending on how healthy they are. So if you starve a plant and it's not healthy, it will emit certain frequencies. And then if you have a healthy plant, it will emit certain frequencies. Then if you play music to a plant, it will emit different frequencies. Now, if you add a kind of Fibonacci sequence kind of code to this and mm -hmm. put it into numbers and maths, you can cr start to create a language out of it, which means that you could potentially at one stage, if you carry mm -hmm. on the research, in theory, you could build a human version, uh, interpretation of what a plant is communicating to other plants and if that happens and we start doing that then we can communicate yeah with any anything that admits uh any that works with electromagnetism which is anything that's bio wow. biophysical wow. so so in although it's not happened yet, yeah um they think anything i'll tell you what it's not just biophysical anything that has is water-based because mm. the way water vibrations that's what it was wow. the frequency of water um, so this is really interesting because I've not ever heard language and science matched so heavily. Language and mm -hmm. philosophy, yes. Uh, language and science, not so much uh, until that. And then yeah. this film is <laughs> yeah. about language, philosophy and science yeah. absolutely being a marriage. And it, so yeah. it's kind of stretching my mind a little bit as I'm speaking. Yeah. Um, really, it, yeah, clever. So it's kind of an impossible task, right? You're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's so no she, blueprint yeah. for this. She turns up uh in montana to this base meets jeremy renner who's a top physicist who's been brought in as well um in terms of if if he needs to kind of i guess if if, if it's mathematical what they're yeah. admitting and so they've got someone who's language and someone who's maths based to basically try and decipher 
this um, an attempt to communicate. Um, and, and, and I think from the off, it is very clear what uh, uh, Villeneuve and the writer, uh, I can't the name, uh, Henrich something, yeah, yeah um, are doing with, I would say, and I, and I noticed this more the second time around, quite an overtly political message. Eric, he's, he's Heisserer. Yeah. I'm not saying that correctly. Sorry, Europeans. Uh, yeah. Eric Andrew Heisserer. Heisserer. Uh, American. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's a very political film. I didn't notice quite how political the first time around I watched it mm-hmm. because I was engaged in all the other things that were going on. But but knowing where the film was going to go this time around, I was much more attuned to to the social commentary that I think the film is doing and this idea that you can feel that Forrest Whitaker and Michael Stolberg and the army guys are are absolutely like really begrudgingly allowing this communication to happen. Like they are so yeah. waiting for combat. Like that's what they want. It's yeah. like they're going, oh well, we we I guess we have to kind of exhaust the other possibilities before we fight. But it's this, yeah, this absolute gung ho. They're looking. War the confirmation war. bias is they're looking for a reason to blow up this UFO. Yeah, and that not just being uh, an American thing, but mm-hmm. also the Chinese government doing the same yeah. thing, the Pakistan government yeah. doing the same thing. There's this constant reminder that everyone is going, "Is it about? Is it about war? Are they going to take us mm-hmm. over?" Um, and all, but, but what I do quite like is that juxtaposition of the way that the news reports and the way that that um, the generals and the higher ones up are talking. We're juxtaposing with the way that the linguists and the scientists are talking mm. on the cameras to each other is so like there's so much cooperation and friendliness and there's banter that they have yeah and but there's this fear and and this level of competition of like we've got to get there first with each country you yeah know? And, and it's like the people on the ground are trying to work together but the people that actually have the power feel like they're trying to 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 keep isolated to win something and, and, and be and, dominant yeah and it's sort of you know it's it's the um the 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 uh world war christmas day football match kind of idea yeah. of, you know these soldiers were you know um especially in world war one on really forced to do this and most of them on the ground would probably have been friends in another life and and yeah. yet but you've got these powers higher up and yeah, I just thought that was a really nice um, thing that it was showing. I mean, not nice, but, you know, important thing that it was showing. Um, and also something that, that is interesting when you think about the scientific community and the current COVID-19 crisis, there has been huge uh, kind of narratives driven that it's some kind of race. We see that quite yeah. a lot in uh, in the UK at the moment, saying, oh, well, the British are the first ones to kind of get a deal with mm-hmm. Pfizer. And it's an odd political, it's like a really odd thing yeah. to do when also there's a narrative that this virus is indiscriminate and, and it affects everyone. And you've got, you know, the, the WHO, the WHO, you know, who have actually put together a world, a, a new world bank, yeah. specifically to make sure that poorer countries aren't going to, yeah. you know suffer from this when scientists are 
allowed to actually make the decisions. The scientific community is incredibly um, cooperative. Yeah. Um, and there's a real joy in sharing that information and knowledge. Well, I think this film is m- more pertinent now than it was in 2016. I think this film Absolutely. is... Hugely, if you've seen it, go back and watch it again this year, and and it throws up so many things that I don't think were there when I saw it the first time around because mm. of what we're going through at the moment. Um, we we need cooperation so more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I suppose uh, plot wise, really, a good kind of twenty minutes uh, of the movie is Amy Adams going to the aliens mm-hmm. and trying to get a response, and these aliens are. Essentially, if you got a uh, you know a second year art student to draw uh, an octopus, yeah. that's what you'd have. They're cephalopods, yeah. And even to the point where when they do make contact, they emit this ink-like yeah. um, kind of. I, I say ink, but we don't know if it's liquid or not. It's, but it's, it flows like ink it, through water. But it, but it's it's almost more some points more looks like the consistency of smoke yes yes more yes. than ink but yeah. it's the color of ink and like you say it sort of moves like ink but the, but in, ink in water but this is no water, water yeah. so it so you're right yeah. it's like this smoke where it kind of yeah. emerges and uh carbon yeah of like f- f- iron filings almost moving around and um instead of there being any kind of discernible symbolism yeah there is this kind of one symbol at a time, which is cyclical. It's a circle yeah. with different bits of kind of branches off it. So they go and analyze this yeah. um, and, and they eventually build some basic words uh, and some yeah. knowledge there, like names. Um. And, and and again, like uh, this is one of the many things I love about this film and, and, and something I, I think all good alien invasion films do which is actually be a bit imaginative about the alien that you're making and yeah. the world of that alien and the language of that alien and everything like that. And, and you know, I, I think this is actually why James requested this. Um, he he mentioned that I think I, I brought this film up when we were talking about the Omega Man on the Creep podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, what a weird journey. <laughs> talking, yeah, and, and like getting annoyed about the fact that why do all aliens... Like, why would aliens look like our fictional idea of what an alien looks like like why like why would that happen that would be so it would be weirder yeah if they looked like a big spoon head with long you know sort of diamondy shaped eyes like like the classic alien picture or the or the little green men yeah if they look like that that would be weirder i think than if aliens came and and were more like what we see in arrival but yet the majority of films always make them kind of humanoid or or anthropomorphic in some way and i just love when alien films actually take the time and imagination to go the likelihood is they would be like nothing else we have ever seen in our lives and they would communicate in a way that is completely alien mm-hmm. to us um and, this, and, and this i love that this film does that yeah uh except um i will say that this cephalopod kind of to the point actually where Amy Adams uh, and Jeremy Renner refer to them as heptapods because mm. they're it's they're like an seven. octopus with seven legs yeah um but it reminded me a lot of the Benson and Moorhead episode of the Twilight Zone which we haven't done a, a podcast mm. on but we we watched Twilight Zone the new series uh with Jordan Peele which is in, in, particularly this one 
last series is very good. Um, and Benson Moorhead, who we did do a, a, a podcast on, directed one of the episodes and wrote this story about uh, an underwater deep sea diving unit who had discovered a particularly advanced octopus or uh, a cephalopod. Um and they were trying to communicate with it. And yeah. uh, actually, there was also a storyline about China's political <laughs> yeah, games yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, nuclear disarmament and genetic coding, all sorts of interesting stuff there. But it was interesting when we think about uh, cephalopods as probably the most intellectually and sensory advanced creatures mm-hmm. on the planet. It's, more, it's interesting that if you're going to have an alien who was extremely advanced they would look more like an octopus because that's our yeah. version of the most advanced thing on the planet as well yeah. so there's a slight similarity there and there's something about the way in which there's almost a spirituality to the language of an octopus and the way that's, they create yeah. communicate uh, is kind of is linked here yeah um i remember once reading that the um the reason that we're uh that a lot of people are scared of spiders that kind of arachnophobia is a thing is because of how unrelatable they are to human form. Really? Is that they they are one of the most, along with something like an octopus, mm. are, 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 yeah, our brains can't understand how something like that can exist because it's you can't it's so relate not... it to, hum, you know, most other animals in some way you can anthropomorphize. It's really hard to do that with a, with a spider, with an octopus, with any kind of, yeah, yeah kind of multi-limbed sort of, creature and if um, you don't understand something of course that invokes fear, invokes fear yeah um, which is exactly what this film's about which is yeah for, for um, sure so um, so we, yeah, they're making so... kind of stretches with this communication and they yeah. they build a kind of alphabet but what they learn or amy adams learns yeah uh is that actually that or louise i should say her name is uh the character's name is that the reason why these are kind of one symbol and mm. why they're not directly translatable is because there's something to do with the relationship between language and time yeah so when we think about tenses, um, mm-hmm. the way language is structured, uh, in certainly in, in the West and now kind of pretty much every, all over the world, that there's a linear, a linear yeah. way in which we, we view time in, in language. I think Jeremy Renner's character, Ian, uh, described it really well when he said, imagine writing a sentence with your right hand and your left hand, your left hand starting at the start of the sentence, your right hand starting at the end. And you write the sentence at the same time and meet yeah. in the middle. He was like, "That's what these That's aliens how are doing." So it means you have to think about the whole sentence at once as you're writing, and you know, and you know what all the words are going to be immediately, and how much space and that's going to take up. That's going to take up. Yeah, yeah, and uh, which is interesting also because it's it's Jeremy Renner as a physicist, mm. and when we think about physics and time, we you know, and you think of Einstein, you think of relativity. Mm-hmm there's a real reminder of having this this i think jeremy renner probably has about eight lines in the whole film like yeah. realistically not yeah. a lot at all to say but having his presence there yeah is the idea of how how does a physicist see this and it's kind of through this idea of relativity and the idea that that time is only really our understanding of yeah. the world it's not how things actually are well i i i don't think you can really talk about this film without talking about uh the film contact from 1997 with jodie foster um which is based on a carl sagan uh book and i think carl sagan actually adapted the script um who obviously was an astrophysicist um so it is hugely 
science based and 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 as well contact like this film is is not painting the extraterrestrials in a negative light which is also a nice thing to see and why i also think a lot of close encounters when i think of arrival as well yeah um uh but um i i think yeah both contact and this film are so rooted in science and and reality like i think arrival might be the most realistic depiction of what would happen if aliens ever came to earth like it's so it's so spot on and it's so naturalistic and realistic and and all the decisions are logical and made in a in a in a very real way not in a way like you know independence day where it's kind of uh, moving the narrative on or or invoking kind of patriotism or in you know excitement or um justifying a big action sequence it's all quite real which is why it's a slow moving film and it's and it's a quiet film and mm-hmm. um i could see there's probably loads of people in the world who would probably think it was boring or we would probably you know um because it's 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 very real and and it's it's almost in again kind of almost in real time in terms mm. of there's slow progress yeah. right yeah but what i think it makes it uh, also entertaining from a, a viewer's point of view and keeps you hooked is that every time they come up against a problem you feel the frustration as an audience member because you're like oh i want them to make this breakthrough and what they're trying to communicate to each other these aliens yeah. and these scientists and then we have the sleep deprivation and the the fact that there's a huge amount of work being done, and it, mm-hmm. it, it's not in real time in the sense that it goes over it goes over a month in the end. Yeah. But you don't really know that, and it's great that you yeah. don't know that because everyone in in this camp, you know, in Montana in this field, are working tirelessly and and are completely isolated yeah. from their real lives, including the soldiers. And you have a nice little moment where the soldiers are on the phone, uh, phoning home, you know, and they're just kind of you know foot soldiers just doing what they're told mm-hmm. um and that, how their frustration starts to grow but you have it interspersed with uh louise amy adams character having these what we think are flashbacks mm-hmm. to this daughter yeah. but now the daughter's a lot older maybe six or seven sometimes eight and it's always something to do with the daughter asking louise to give her advice like daughters kids ask lots yeah. of questions yeah. right what does this mean what's the yeah. word for that how do you explain that and they all are seemingly quite random. Yeah. They're kind of interconnected. Yeah. Um, and every time kind of Amy Adams wakes up pretty shaken by it. Yeah. And you assume that's kind of grief, you know. Um, and then something in the flashback that, or the kind of the dream will trigger an answer, a, a, yeah. a thought process that allows... Uh, Louise to then go and ask the re- next question or yeah. a way of interpreting the symbols that they've yeah. gathered from the aliens and they have a little breakthrough yes yeah so they they finally uh, are able to very rudimentarily communicate with the aliens and they get given two words from them that they decipher to mean offer weapons mm-hmm which obviously, the minute the word weapons comes out, you've got the Secretary of Defence on the phone, you know. And this is further um, made problematic by the fact that China have had a breakthrough at a similar time, but it's come out with a slightly different translation, where in China they've said, they've said, uh, deciphered it to mean use weapons. Mm-hmm. 
which is obviously f absolutely freaked out because the question they've been asking is what is your purpose here why have you come in yeah. so when the answer is to use weapons but amy adams is trying to argue the fact that that this is probably because they've been using mahjong to yeah. to to communicate and she's saying if you use a game to try and uh teach someone a language so so mahjong for those yeah. of you who aren't aware is a is a, a much like uh chess is a kind of universal yeah. western game of um of essentially a mock-up of war it's a strategic yeah. game to defeat another the other team yeah. um very complicated though and very difficult much harder than chess uh, some would say um they've been using this this game in order to to get build their language in yeah. china right yeah it, it uses tiles doesn't it yes so, tiles, yeah. yeah um and uh, uh so they yeah so so she's trying to explain to the to forest whitaker and the army guys you know that this is it's because if you teach someone a language through playing a game you're you're automatically um you know uh, uh injecting this idea of competitiveness this idea of not necessarily being completely genuine and honest yeah and and this idea of combativeness and, and the only out outcomes a win and a loss. win and lose yeah. yeah so therefore the language that they're going to be learning is going to be is going to be marred by that so which I find I find that so important because yeah. this is what we're really talking about when we think about linguistics, right? Yeah. And when we think of someone like Noam Chomsky, yeah, we think of him as a, a kind of a signal for the left, a philosopher yeah. of the left, um, someone who is is striving towards building equity and uh, and justice in the world. But lest we forget, the man is a linguist. That's yeah. his discipline. Yeah. He has approached this from the almost scientific uh, study of language and the effect that it has. Um, and and some of the work that I do with in social justice is constantly talking about the evolution of language, right? Yeah. And a lot of people say to me, oh, why have we got these new words for things? Why are we changing the way in which we interpret gender or the way in which we think about uh, sexuality? And my answer is, well, because quite often the tools that we have aren't doing the job. They're not allowing for sexual yeah. justice to evolve or uh you know peace to prevail whether yeah. it be in a workplace place scenario or a, a global uh state of global inequity so let's change it let's change the tools of communication that we're looking at and this is yeah. what this film's saying right this yeah. is what louise amy adams character is saying is if you approach this with the way you've been doing things and you're expecting to have results outside of that then then you're a terrible scientist. And of course, every world leader pretty much is a terrible scientist, right? Right, yeah. Um, so I thought that was really, it's a really lovely philosophical point and a real linchpin of what this film's about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so nevertheless, yeah. they don't really listen to her. Um, and and China pulls communication to America. Yeah. And then one by one, all the other countries switch off all their communications to one another. So that corporation that was there has completely broken down because the threat of war is on the horizon. Um, to the point so therefore where everyone becomes very isolationist. One scientist in China tries to break that uh, and, and get a yeah. message out to Amy Adams uh, and is shot as a result yeah. because breaching the data is treason and, yeah. and therefore punishable by death and the rest. And and now the American government are getting a bit like that with Amy Adams, right? Yeah. Um, and there's this point where, where Louise, you know, says to everyone in the room or the kind of head honchos, look, th this is not what that means. There are loads of ways of interpreting it. I think it's about giving, they're trying to give us a tool. 
yeah. because a weapon and a tool are really similar. And if they're giving us a tool, then one, that's a great thing. But two, it's also not a sign of aggression. And, and we, yeah. you know, it would be foolish to do this. And uh, Michael uh, Stuhlberg's character, Stuhl, Stuhlberg, um character says he's working along with the defense secretary. Um, and he says, even if that's true, I can't use it because it doesn't play into the narrative of the, the American government, right? They're not, they're not engaging with your thought process. So even if you're right, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And you're like, can you hear the idiocy in that? And I think Stolberg characters probably can, yeah. but there's nothing he can do because unless the people sitting in these high seats of power actually change the way in which they understand the world when something new happens to them or yeah. a, some, a moment of enlightenment uh, you know, uh, presents itself, then it, with the best will in the world, you're never ever going to get the, a different result or learn yeah. something, which is just this thing, isn't it? That's what kind of all, I suppose the left are banging their heads against the wall at the right saying, yeah. can you please just be open-minded for once? Yeah. Um, and we've seen uh, what happens when, when we stick to uh, close-mindedness, yeah. uh, not least when you look at the last four years of people like President Trump's administration, yeah. for example, but or Ping yeah. in China. It's just such a short-sighted um, way of treating uh, uh, Louise in terms of that they have gone, we recognise you might be the only person in this country that can help us decipher this language. You could come here, we'll give you anything you want, you're the, you know, and then the minute that conflict is on the horizon and they go oh no nothing you say is of any interest or use anymore go, yeah. well a minute ago she was the most important person so well, suddenly she's no longer important because yeah. now we're all off to war and it's just yeah again i i i, I think this film's a really great anti-war film as well actually because i think it, it shows mm-hmm. how quickly these things can escalate um uh how they can be misunderstood and misinterpreted and you know when you think about when you think about how World War One came around from the shooting of an archduke, yeah, uh, you know, to utterly uh, ridiculous to World War One is 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 just a series of, of chain of events that happened um, that and bad communication, and bad communication, yeah, um, and and I think that's really well represented in this film. Um, so yeah, so they um, they being Ian and Louise um, kind of go off anyway and go back up and see the aliens um and yeah they kind of break the rules but yeah. forrest whitaker being the colonel in charge is kind of prepared for them to do that so having him on yeah. on side is a good thing so he doesn't sanction it at all but he doesn't do that much to stop it yeah um they go up there and they make some breakthroughs yeah um unfortunately yeah. unbeknownst to them one of our disgruntled foot soldiers yeah. infantry uh, guys who have been there the whole time making calls to home watching yeah. videos on YouTube they have decided that these aliens need to be blown up yeah. so they have put, against orders yeah. put explosives yeah. in uh, the kind of holding area yeah. of communication and they blow it up Yeah, it seems like the aliens see this coming yeah yeah. so, so just before the explosion they are actually f- communicating with Amy Ad- Amy Adams is actually able to create herself a bit of their language she puts yeah. her hand up to the to this kind of there's a sort of screen at the like top of the like a force field thing um 
and she puts her hand to it and manages to create this thing herself um and uh they then um yeah uh, just before it's about to blow up they kind of save them yeah by p- pushing them away but as they push them away they release all of these thousands and thousands of of, of little circles there yeah. their language um which is then caught by the camera yes. and they can't understand why the camera that's blown up managed to get a really clear signal yeah. so there's also a little bit of technology we don't quite understand is happening yeah so amy adams is saying they've given us the whole alphabet of their language yeah which is thousands of symbols yeah and they've given it to us and if it was give tools yeah then what that's what they've done they've come and done what they needed to do yeah um then you know the explosion happens though yeah. and uh luckily they're pushed back by the force of these aliens who yeah. push them back at the right time yeah and so they come away pretty unscathed they have concussion yeah um and uh whilst kind of recovering amy Ad- louise has this other flashback yeah where she's oh, ex- and we should say everyone's announced war now yeah. and that leads to the 12 um ufos uh, leaving the ground and they're yeah. now hovering about 50 foot in the air yeah um so so the access is limited yeah um so amy adams has this flashback with her daughter again who's older and she's explaining to her daughter the reason why her dad left mm. and she says because i knew something that was going to happen and i told him and i chose to tell him and he said i made the wrong choice mm. in telling him and he couldn't deal with that information mm-hmm. so he left um and that's why that happened mm. uh and then amy adams kind of wakes up out of this trance mm. after the concussion and jamie Rana says you okay and she says yeah sorry i i just worked out why my husband left me yeah and he's like oh you had a yeah. yeah, Jeremy Renner's like, I yeah. thought you were single. Yeah. Because they had a chat about being single. There's been no real sexual chemistry here. Just no. a tiny kind of little bit of professional jockeying and I'm a scientist and you're a linguist. Mm-hmm. and But it's not a love story in no. any traditional sense. And no. It's so refreshing to just see yeah. this smart, authoritative woman, you know, giving orders, making decisions. I think that's also really lovely. It's just yeah. we haven't really spelled out the importance and the rarity of yeah. uh, a woman not just being a lead, but being the absolute, not a single shot, you know, yeah. really without her in. Um, and also not being completely sexually objectified. It's really nice, yeah. Yeah. really rare and really nice to see that. So that was refreshing as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so then um, uh, they've kind of got this... Uh, it's all going to hell basically yeah um and they've got kind of limited time but then this little lift comes down from yeah. uh this little pod comes down from the ufo uh and amy adams gets in it and it takes her up and she actually goes kind of inside where the this ufo where the aliens yeah. are um and they said what are you what are you doing but she's just she she has built the relationship with them and there's a trust there right? yeah 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 so she goes up and it fills with white smoke and then yeah. she's fine and they have this quite a long conversation yeah. that Amy Adams, because of the language that she's developed and the knowledge that she's gained, yeah. but also she seems to understand a lot more than she did before. Yeah. And it seems like when the aliens gave 
all the thousands of mm-hmm. they also gave amy allen the ability to understand all of the symbols yeah. pretty well um yeah. and we actually get some subtitles translating this conversation yeah. so yeah so they so they explained that they are here to give so amy adams was right all the time it was a tool it wasn't a yeah. weapon that they're here to give a gift to humanity to save humanity they say which is why and she says because in three thousand years we need humanity's help yeah. um and she said how do you know what's going to happen in the future and um that's how they yeah we and learn that time is not linear for them time happens you know they can see all of existence at the same time and then we go into the flashbacks and that's when we start to learn you know because she says to them i don't know who this girl is and then you start to go wait hang on wait what we thought it was your daughter who's dead who's dead yeah and then you start with flashback again and you realize that and they say you can see louise how how do you know what's going to happen in the future and and the alien says louise Louise knows knows the future. future yeah um, and, and it's interspliced, so you yeah. it's edited really well. Yeah, it's a great storytelling. Um, so yeah, but th- that's the big twist, of course, is that all these flashbacks have actually been flashes forward. Yeah. And, um, uh, the life that she's not yet lived, but she's now able to see her whole life. Yeah. Um, uh, because she's from, been learning this language. Because she's been learning this language. Because the deeper you learn the language itself, it it it. it makes you see time differently yeah. and experience time differently um and that's the gift they've given yeah to humans is to be able to learn how to do that which um, is inc- an incredible thought yeah an incredible uh way of of talking about time especially when i, I mentioned the kind of spirituality of octopuses <laughs> earlier yeah and and that might sound like a weird thing to say but if you think of spirituality as science we don't understand yet and string theory and everyone being connected and and vibrations and suddenly the idea of talking to plants doesn't seem that weird yeah yeah um so so when we carry that forward and we put it into an alien invasion film suddenly you think ah okay i i get how how this is yeah time is is a construct in terms of how we've decided yeah to interpret the world and it makes sense and it's very useful but it doesn't mean that's how everyone has to do it yeah not when we have uh in this world an intergalactic community yeah. which is fantastic um yeah so amy adams gets this yeah and then they like you say it's going to hell in the handcart yeah, yeah. everyone's she going to down. war it's it's minutes before china are about to do the first airstrike on the ufo that's in shanghai they've got the warships heading over there everything's about to kick off and she says no 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 you've got definitely a gift it's definitely a gift and forrest Whitaker says it doesn't matter they're expecting a, re- a retaliation from these aliens and she's like it's not going to happen he says it yeah. doesn't matter if they think there's going to be a retaliation then our global policy is to get the first punch in i'm like yeah. right that is ridiculous and then you go oh no it is just foreign policy of yeah. every every major country that's yeah that's what it is there's a nice uh, couple of references to um colonialism as well and, and uh like the british empire and and uh treatment of aboriginal uh yeah. native people uh across the kind of globe but um there's a, a wonderful early online where um louise explains to uh forrest whitaker amy adams says uh oh, well it's a bit like language right when when 
when Captain Cook went off into the outback and found uh, Aboriginal people, they pointed to an animal and said, uh, what's that? And the Aboriginal said, a kangaroo. Uh, and so they called it a kangaroo. They didn't realise, though, that uh, actually kangaroo was the word for, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> um, and uh, Jeremy Renner says, oh, it's a really good analogy, really nice story. And she says, yeah, it's not true, but it proves my point. <laughs> yeah. And you go, oh, that's it's a really yeah. nice analogy. And then Forrest Whitaker says, don't forget what happened to the Aboriginals. Yeah. They were all, you know... Exterminated. Exterminated. Well, he also says, by a more advanced race, which I would, yeah. you know, question. But, he's, you know, absolutely, that's the viewpoint of this colonel. That's completely yeah. believable. That that's how you'd kind of view Western civilization or white uh, yeah. Western civilization from that time in the 1790s. But, um, yeah, you, you have this idea of fear. Um, and and also this comment on the reason we're afraid of other people doing this is because this is what we do. Yeah, it's genocide. You know, it's it's what happened in Rwanda. It's what happened in Hungary. It's what happened. It's happening today in China. Yeah. You know, it's happening everywhere. Well, I think along with along with contact and close encounters, the other film that I kept thinking of watching this uh, is District Nine. Um, mm. uh, the South African film um, that's very much an allegory for apartheid but but it's about aliens uh prawns um in south africa and they are and it's all about how they're treated because they are seen as other how they are marginalized mm. and ostracized and i thought god if 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 they'd never listened to amy adams yeah in this film district nine could be the sequel to a right like this is probably what would happen yeah to these aliens because it seems like they're quite peaceful and quite mm. van, so they would probably, yeah, be um, enslaved and marginalised and and treated horribly by human beings. It reminded me of that wonderful Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns uh, is getting his monthly treatment to keep him alive, mm. um, and it gives him a glow, and he's caught coming out of the forest, and the town yeah. think it's an alien, right? Yeah. Because he looks a bit like an alien. Um, and he comes out high as a kite with his eyes dilated, glowing in uh, radioactive, uh, you know, chemicals. Yeah. And he says, uh, hello. And uh, the crowd say, uh, kill it, kill it. Yeah. And he says, but I bring you love. And Lenny goes, it's bringing love. Kill it, kill it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that is exactly what the government uh, yeah. in this movie, but also today kind of do with everything. Yeah is regardless of what it's bringing, even the more peaceful you are, great. That means we can control you more. Yeah. Um, and they all start singing Good Morning Starshine from Hair, if I remember it. Right. I think they do at the, yeah. Yeah, at the end. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a great episode. Um, yeah, so uh, she comes down and she's sort of steals this, nabs this um, satellite phone. Yeah. And she's having these flashes forward. Mm-hmm. And she's at a sort of ball. Yeah. Um, it's kind of banquet. And... The 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 Chang the Chang. Uh, the fictional uh, president yeah. of uh, of of China. Or I th- well, they refer to him as general. So I think in this reality, I think China's been kind of taken over again by a. I think it's like a Mao situation. Right. Okay. Um. Because they he's called they're called like the People's Liberation of 
China or something. It's so, right. Okay. So I was like, oh, I think that's I, yeah. So I think he's maybe had done a coup, a military coup or something in China, and that's who he is. I mean, that's um, weird, isn't it? Because it's weird. Xi Jinping's kind of doing that now, <laughs> but this was in 2016. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. Well, yeah. since since this film's been made, Xi Jinping has has made himself supreme leader. Uh, made it un- impossible to elect anyone else until he dies. Yeah. Uh, jailing and murdering people, uh, not only for being Muslim, uh, but also for protesting for the independence of Hong Kong and pro-democracy. Yeah. So there you are. That, yeah. that lovely yeah. reality there. Um, so, yeah. Um, they uh, uh, are talking at this ball and he comes up to her and says, oh, I, I'm only here because I wanted to meet you, which is why, why did you want me to meet? Because you're you're the woman that changed my mind. Which is what mm-hmm. she means. That's eighteen months ago, you you phoned me and told me to told start, me my wife's told dying me my words. Wife's dying words, yeah. And I don't know how you did it, yeah. But the only way you could have done it is if what you were saying about the aliens was true, yeah. Kind of thing, yeah. Um, and so then she says, "But how would I have phoned you?" And he says, well, "This is my private number. So I don't know why, but I feel like you need to see this." Now. Yeah. So. So she's getting the information from the future yeah. to use in the present. Which um, is, yeah, should have been, yeah, enough to blow my tiny mind. Yeah. But, and it kind of did, but I was also kind of lulled into it. And I wanted to, I'll talk about why I think mm. that is and why I think I was more receptive to, to the time yeah. uh, melting around my brain. Uh, when we get to the end, but yeah, yeah let's let's carry on with this. Uh, so she's there with the satellite phone, yeah. and she runs into a secure unit immediately, which I thought, oh, there's going to be no signal in there, but it was fine. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Renner says, "What are you doing?" She says, "Buy me twenty seconds." Mm-hmm. They're about to shoot her. Um, Michael Stuhlberg's got his handgun out. Yeah. The army are all there. We're going to shoot you if you don't get yeah. that phone down. Yeah. You're committing treason. Anyway, she managed because she speaks Mandarin, which we yeah. knew anyway. She. Uh, uh, says this you know explains the situation to to the chinese uh leader tells him the dying words of his wife and suddenly we see these news stories Mm -hmm. start to happen and all the countries have cottoned on yeah they've not taken china's lead they've backed down pulled their forces out and it's kind of like this weird everyone cooperating for the first time the aliens uh, are able to yeah. give over their gifts to every country and yeah. then they leave because yes uh so i don't think we mentioned um amy adams uh once she then gets this power and is able to harness it she goes into the future and reads the book she wrote yes, about what yes. and and realizes that and manages to decipher this this whole big thing of thousands of things and says yeah. it's 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 uh, um, and then it, Jeremy Renner ends up working out that it's a mathematical equation and it's a fraction oh, that means sorry. one of 12. One of 12. Uh, yeah, yeah, 0.8, 0.008 recurring, yeah. I think, was it was yeah. the thing. Yeah. Um, also important because that's why Jeremy Renner's in the film. <laughs> like, yeah. there's no other reason really yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, for but his yeah, character but, to be there. But obviously they know that that's one twelfth of a, of a whole thing. So all the con- they'll only get this gift if, if all the- 12 of these countries come together um which and, uh, yeah. proves uh louise's uh suspicion she said what a great way it would be to make us all work together for once yeah which she says quite early on in the film and that's absolutely what it is yeah really um and in the future um chang says 
this unity, this union is only possible because of you. You've changed the world with your with yeah. your work in linguistics here. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of like a possibility of world peace yeah. and cooperation. And because everyone can see the future in the past and, and everyone can understand this, there seems to be a much less of a focus, presumably, on the acquisition of land. And yeah. it was a, a nice um, look at what uh, the ancient Sanskrit for war is. Mm. Um, and uh, Forrest Whitaker comes back and says, oh, I, I looked it up. Uh, it's something, you know, what, what does it actually mean? She goes, well, you can interpret it literally or you can interpret it figuratively. Mm. Literally, it means uh, wanting to acquire more cows. It's mm-hmm. the the yeah. desire to own more cows, um, which is one way of interpreting that. And I and I thought that's interesting that actually she was forced to look at it differently. Yeah, everyone else kind of interpreted the alien. So it's a really well bookended film. Yeah. Also, we then have this kind of, I suppose, denouement in a way, really, yeah. where we're like, oh well, what is going to happen with Louise and Jeremy Renner? And there was a moment where they look at each other when the forces yeah. stand down. And you think, are you going to kiss in a field full yeah. of soldiers? But they don't. They, hug. they don't. Yeah. And they hug. And it's so much more powerful than a yeah. kiss would have been. It's like yeah. this, we've been through this together. Yeah. And she knows, she knows what's going to happen. Gonna happen. Like, yeah. And she knows that they're going to have a kid. That she's going to tell him that the kid's going to die. He's going to leave her. Then the kid's going to die. Yeah. You know. Um, but she says she chooses to live it anyway. And she chooses to enjoy yeah. and cherish every moment. And it's... A, it's an absolutely beautiful piece of music that's underscoring this. Oh, um, it's the first time sequence. I think we've well, like this, this. These strings come yeah. in, beautiful violin. Yeah, um, and they're dancing, and it's kind of intercut between the present and the future yeah. um, of of their kind of relationship. Um, and that's that's the end of the film, really. Yeah, and and there's a nice little beautiful thing where you learn that the daughter. His name mm. is Hannah, and it's palindromic, which means yeah. it's the same forward as it is backwards, which is exactly the way in which the language works. The heptapod language works. Time yeah. now works for people that can yeah. understand that language. And yeah, just phenomenal. Um, now, th- there are two things. First of all, I think we should talk about the music. We we mentioned that the score is is phenomenal, not just at this particular moment, but throughout the whole film. I think it's one of the best scores I've ever... It's stunning. Yeah. ...ever heard. And not just because of it, it's a stunning piece of music. You know, in your own right, you could probably listen to that score on its own on a you know CD or whatever, because I'm 100 and apparently I listen to everything <laughs> on a CD. Um, but, or however you get your music. But you... you I'm a big, big believer in that that when scoring, you, you it, it's driven by the narrative, right? It's driven yeah. by the story. And this is just a piece of absolute art. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johan Johansson. Yeah. Um, who I think we were saying was the first Icelandic to be nominated for an Oscar. Uh, possibly, yeah. Certainly one, right. yeah. one of them. Uh, nominated um, for lots of awards for this film. but, um, yeah. but uh, And this wa- uh, film was nominated for quite a few. Yeah, eight, eight, eight Academy Awards, eight I think. Academy. Yeah. Uh, but rightly, rightly so. Um, I think it's brilliant for two reasons. One, you have this constant almost soundscaping which which is uh well there is a lot of soundscaping yeah. as well but there's also a lot of music which is soundscaping it's re- really wonderful where you have this slightly unsettling feeling all the way through this kind of almost inaudible d- 
uh, low frequency uh, bass. Yeah. Which not only makes you feel uncertain, but also kind of takes you into the world of this spaceship where it's emanating an energy that doesn't mm-hmm. really make sense. You can't see it, you can't understand yeah. it. It's not, you know, it's not, they're not radio waves. They're not, yeah. there's not sound waves. There's not anything kind of emitting out of this, but yet there is this power. And I think that's what, what this score achieves really, really well. I also think that the having such human sounds as a violin coming in at the end adds this whole soul to the bookend of the, which is, it wasn't until, you know, Amy Adams united with science and, you know, language and science came together that spirituality could truly be met. And there's an almost sense of contentment and zen that mm-hmm. you read about in, like, Rumi books. And yeah. it's almost like a spiritual yogic yeah. sense of enlightenment that, that the Dalai Lama might speak of. That's what Amy Adams is playing at the end of that film because she's accepted past, present, future. Yeah. And in that place of acceptance... The anxiety and the stress and the fear that everyone in that film is so encapsulated by and dominated by is gone. Yeah. yeah. And that made me think, oh my goodness, that's what um, uh, Shi Ma, who plays Chang mm. in that flash forward, that's what he's playing. He's yeah. playing enlightenment. Yeah. And then you realise that everyone in the world now understanding this language. Yeah now lives in a state yeah. of enlightenment. And I thought, how do you do that as an actor? How do you play absolute <laughs> acceptance of all things past, present and future? And then I was like, that's why Amy Adams has got this job. Yeah. It wasn't just because she did a great job in Enchanted. Yeah. It was yeah. because yeah. it was because she managed to get that. Yeah. And I was like, that must have been your casting process. Yeah. And then you could work backwards. And be- because that is the only way. Because they, they need a head start, right? They, they Clearly the aliens have gone, oh, it's going to take them about 3,000 years from this point where we help them until they're completely functioning as one human society and able as a planet planet to help us. Um, Which is incredible. Yeah. um, 3,000 years time. um, So so then there's also something else that I I wanted to uh, mention, which was... There's there's this moment at the end where you go, ah, and now I... And yes, and and then the film ends, right? Yeah. You don't need an explanation, but you need yeah. this this acceptance. But there's also something else happening, which is why I think the time thing didn't screw me over as much as my podcast on Crime, crime Traveller yeah. or, you know, even episodes of Doctor Who screw, screw with my uh, tiny mind. And I think that's because the film is what, what every kind of great piece of art is, which is uh, form and content married together. Because you don't know, as a viewer, what is past, present, and future, but you have been accepting it yeah. without full explanation. Yeah. And as a result, when the revelation comes, instead of it being Kaiser Soze at the end of Usual Suspects, oh, no, what? Wait, no, he didn't. It's not that reaction at yeah. all. It's, mm-hmm, yeah. And that's, I'm go- I accept it. Yeah. And so I wasn't fighting against this film. Yeah. We- and, and And I think that is... A really, that is a thing that I wish Christopher Nolan had done with Tenet because I think <laughs> that's what he wanted to do, but I don't know whether he's just so much more smart than the rest of the world or whether he's just so in it that he couldn't see objectively how alienating that film is to the majority of audiences. I mean, mm. 
because I just had to, yeah, sort of let it wash over me, but not in a good, in a way that I was just like, oh, all right, I, I don't really care about anyone because I don't know what's happening. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I could tell it was a brilliant film. So I was like, it's, it's me. I think it is me is the problem. Um, but then, yeah, it's, and Mark Camone said the same thing because you go out and you kind of go into it. But then if everyone is saying I'm the problem, maybe it is the film that's the problem. And I, and I mm. just, and, and, and I think where Arrival succeeds, where Tenet fails, is that they do let the audience in, you know. Um, and there's a lot to be said for making the audience keep up with you. We talk about it with Aaron Sorkin's work all the time. Yeah, um, catch up, work harder. Yeah, but you can go too far with that to the point of you are completely shutting down any way for the audience to get into this film because what you've made is so complicated and dense that you just sort of have to look at it rather than invest in it. And and, and I think there's never a point where you're not invested emotionally in Arrival because uh, uh, they've worked really hard to, to, as you say, marry those things and the science and the realism and the law of of this film and their concepts of time within this film uh, are all actually ultimately quite easy to understand because there is heart at the centre of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's the same with Interstellar, which was another film I think that came out this year. Um, as in twenty sixteen, uh, yeah, I think. Um, which again is Nolan, and that is as as high concept as Tenet is. But and and this is my my friend Lewis said this to me when I was saying, well, why do you think Interstellar worked where Tenet failed? And Interstellar, and you know, um, Lewis said, well, in, at the end of the day, Interstellar is a film about a father trying to get home to his daughter, mm-hmm. regardless, you know, and that's an an arrival at the end of the day. Take everything out, regardless of how the time works. It's a woman accepting grief. Yeah, that is the film right and and so no matter what is around it which all works brilliantly as well there is always a key in and there's always a heart there yeah and i think that's what films like tenet miss and and other films that try to be really high concept and really scientifically complex and and you just go no this is because we need heart um Mm. but yeah it, it doesn't uh I, I, yeah, I think I think that's also something that is is when every everyone's firing on all cylinders. And I've mentioned the editing in this is fantastic. Partly in the way that actually I don't know if you would get an Oscar, maybe it did get an Oscar nomination for editing, but it probably wouldn't because it's it's got quite a limited amount of cuts. It's mm. not fast paced. No, it's not like you would have needed a lot of work on the editing. No, yeah. what you need is a lot of patience. And mm-hmm. um, I think there's a a filmmaker's strength on display at going, no, hold it, hold it. Yeah. Hold the camera on that. Yeah. And yeah, we are going to take 20 minutes to do this montage of a month of learning the language because if the audience don't go through that as well, then they're not going to be in a state of acceptance at the end. And that's ultimately what the film needs to do because the film, yeah, they're they're matching that content and form uh, beautifully. We've also mentioned the music doing that very, very smartly. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was really, really intelligent. Also, sad uh, side note on Johan. Johansson uh, is uh, passed away a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, sadly, um, through uh, as a result of a, a bad cocktail of um, uh, some cocaine and flu medicine, apparently, according to the internet. Um, but uh, but was also penciled to work on the Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and um, 
Villeneuve apparently came back and said, you know, I, I love you, you're my favourite composer, but I, I need to get something a bit more Vangelis. And so yeah. they he switched to Hans Zimmer and um, another uh, composer whose name escapes me uh, to kind of recreate it. And I think that's probably the right decision. Yeah. But I now would like to see if anyone's <laughs> got it out there, yeah. please send me some some uh, some yeah. of the music Johan Hansen yeah. must have drafted for that 2049 Blade Runner because I bet it's special. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's something really interesting and important as well about the choice of having a linguist be the person that saves the world. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I was reminded of, of uh, you know, whenever it was, was it decades ago um, when they tried to get Esperanto off the ground as a yeah. universal language, you know, yeah. as, as this language that the whole world could speak. And I do, there is something in that, in the, in, in, kind of linguistic philosophy of a lot of the world's conflicts could be solved maybe if we all spoke the same language or or can all understand each other you know or or all were able to to because i think the thing with esperanto is is it there's no power dynamics there mm. you 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 go okay everyone's going to speak english then that's not going to work because there's a there's a power of the people that already speak that right yeah. um who are largely already in power in the world anyway. Um, so it, it has to, if that was to ever happen, be a new language to everyone, right? And that's why it's not pretty impossible for it to ever happen. But there is something about if we all could understand and communicate with each other linguistically, how 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 much more closer to you know quote unquote world peace we could be. But, yeah, um, and I think that's also something that you know the older I get, the more um, in it, you know. It's, uh, I expect sometimes there are points and I go, oh, that's not a word. Hang on a minute. That's not proper English. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, <laughs> I don't know, you probably get this working with young people as well. Uh, anyone else who, who kind of works with young people, you see language evolving pretty much in front of your eyes. Yeah. And I really, really love it. I've really kind of joined in with the fact that sort of like it's so much more, you know, when you hear a German word for something and you mm. get like, that feeling you get when your your wellies are sad, like there's a German yeah. word for that, probably. Um, I feel like young people are constantly coming up with words like that. I thought, well, we were young ones. Wouldn't it be nice if we stopped getting rid of that and just enjoyed that evolution of language and and then translated and let that affect our decision making and our policy making and yeah. everything being slightly more con you know inclusive um rather than going oh well, you know we're gonna have to uh, adapt this because of this now well actually yeah why don't we look towards something a bit like esperanto yeah that is a bit more universal also what's interesting that's happening now with the um um sort of evolution of technology is you know thinking about the uh uh cyclical nature of time that this film talks about you you know you remember that when you look at, we know from cave paintings, we know from the Egyptian hieroglyphs, we mm. were communicating pictorially before we ever were alphabetically. Yeah. And now what do we do on our phones? We we communicate via emojis. Which and is all pictures, right? Yeah. So there's almost this weird full circle thing that we're coming back to communicating using pictures and imagery again more than words, which is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really yeah that's really interesting. Especially the other day there was a new story about... um. Mm. Uh, some some of the older like something nearly three thousand years ago, um, they found uh, cave paintings of like animals and uh, domesticated animals and mm. agriculture and stuff, which kind of puts our history quite a bit out in terms yeah. of how we've understood the past. Um, and yeah, that, that is really fascinating. 
Um, yeah, I also love like when we look at Eastern languages as well and just yes. how brilliant yeah. you know they can be and and it would be great if we just managed to meld them together a bit yeah. more yeah um and stopped being so proud of independent cultures which have been born out of division and war and death and yeah. famine yeah um, i think it, yeah. you know as english people we need to do that as well absolutely says says myself who doesn't speak any other language <laughs> yeah. yeah we lived in china for four months and we learned about 10 words of mandarin didn't we? but yeah we, but yeah, that we, is tricky that is, that very is tricky difficult. because there's there's no key in you know any of the kind of romance languages or majority of western languages you can find similarities with english word you can latin find derivatives. keys in yeah latin derivatives but you i mean any kind of east asian language is just yeah because it's tonal and mm. we're not used to that and and so many reasons it's it's yeah so i have yeah a lot of respect adam i'm sure you're listening to people that learn mandarin yeah for sure um absolutely uh yeah found it very difficult but um yeah so i think that's kind of about it i mean it just 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 watch it i mean well you yeah. better have already watched it if you're listening to this because I told you, didn't I, at the beginning? You did. David told you all. You can't so unhear that. So if you've listened to this now and not what you've, you've ruined it, you've only got yourself to blame. Um, but no, it's 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 a it, it, look at all the topics we've covered. You know, in, in an hour and a quarter, and and it's all stimulated by this film. I and mean, I'm sure there it's are a things big, that... big film in terms of its themes, in terms of its philosophies. And I'm and I'm sure we probably scratched the surface. Yeah. And if you are, you know, watching at home, you might have go, "Oh, I thought they talked about this. I thought they would talk about this." Mm. I mean, I'm sure there are loads of things, and yeah. we could talk about this for hours. But uh, we've already done an hour and a quarter, and, and I think um, mm. it just goes to show that I'll be watching this film again, and I'll be watching it with other people. Well, well, that's um, it. It's you know, I th- I think the best films are you know like the the film itself is the tip of the iceberg and then yeah. the rest of it is, is underneath the water, right? It's the subtext. And I think this film is, there's so much in the silences. There's so much in, in the, the subtext and, and the things not said by characters that, yeah, there is a wealth of, of themes and philosophy to explore in this film. I think. I also just wanted to mention because we haven't yet is that it's actually based, this film was based on uh, yes. a book called story of your life by yeah. Ted Chang. Um, which uh, Denis Villeneuve said, I think that um, he changed it to Arrival because he thought it sounded like a rom-com. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're right. The story of your life it does sound like a rom- rom-com. Yeah. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's a it's a great idea, great concept made by wonderful people. Um, yeah, I, I'm now also just through uh, Google searches discovered quite a lot of Villeneuve short films that I didn't know mm. were around. Um, so I might have to kind of look at that. Um, yeah very typical of him isn't it to still be making short films in this yeah. day and age great what a good good on him um Absolutely. yeah i think that's that's it from me yeah. um do you know what we'll be looking at next week next week yes i do next week we are back to my sister um and i don't think i think this is live you finding out what she's asked for i don't think i've yeah. told you yet um real reactions yeah um she wants us to do this is inc- this might be the most specific one we've ever had <laughs> okay she wants us to do a podcast on how important um, or dangerous the skill of acting is in the President of the United States. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. It, does this mean in the role of the President of the in United the role, States, uh, not the current POTUS? N- including any. Any real president, um, because she was reading something about how 
Reagan being an actor yeah. really helped him. Um, and so what skills acting wise uh, politicians use, specifically the president. Um, Do you think then, Morgan Freeman would, might not have got to the White House if it hadn't been well, for his acting? I was going to say we can <laughs> we can always look at some of our favourite uh, fictional presidents as well. Throw that in there too. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So acting. And presidents is going to be next that is week. Brilliant American yeah. politics, American and politics, drama, of drama. Yeah, but, uh, I can't think of a better match than that. No, absolutely, that's going to take so much research. Mm. That's, that's going to be long mm. work. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, if you have an, any requests for podcast, you know how to get in touch. We love uh, hearing uh, some of the wild suggestions that yeah. we come up with, and also, I mean, we had one of our listeners saying every day is a school day uh, the other day which is lovely, but it very much is for us. Every yeah. week we learn about something new, and I love that. Absolutely. Um, so, yes, as Callum said, you can uh, get in your requests or comment on this podcast and other podcasts. Uh, get in touch however you feel. Um, at any of the following channels, you can contact us on Twitter at Macabre Podcaster. You can get in touch with us via email, podcastermacabre at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, fb.me forward slash podcastermacabre. And of course, you can like, share, subscribe, and listen to this Any Request podcast, our previous JC podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, wherever else you get your podcasts from. Please do share and subscribe. In the meantime, I have been Callum Hughes. I've been David Shopland. And this has been Podcast Macabre. It certainly has. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.